welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Reboot Season 1, Episode 13, Large Blade. This episode was January 13th, 2017. Today for us, yesterday for you. Uh, wasn't super unlucky no. for any reason that I remember. No, it was, it was a pretty good Friday the 13th. Uh, Went out to the lake with some friends. Yeah. I guess they drove back separate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see them afterwards, that's true. Um, it was directed by uh, Sylvain White, who uh, has directed a a bunch of one-offs for TV shows, mm-hmm. but also some some fairly well-known features, including The Losers, Stomp the Yard, and I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer, which I think is maybe the third installment. Yeah, and he's gonna, I think I still know. What yeah, it still was the second one, and uh, he's he's going to be directing the upcoming Slender Man movie. Oh, okay. I want to see a prequel that's like, I have an inkling of what you'll do next summer. <laughs> like he's about a psychic. I've got a plan for next summer. <laughs> Um, and it was written by Andrew Karsruer, who has written a couple of CSI Cybers, but still relatively early in his writing career. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we describe this episode in brief? Well, in this episode, uh, MacGyver and Jack are shot down in a helicopter while transporting a dangerous prisoner and have to uh, signal for help before his friends find them. Right. That's pretty much it. And we start um, in... Astana City, Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. on the roof of a parking structure. Yeah, uh, Jack and MacGyver are in a little bit of a fisticuffs with uh, a guy who's already like partially bound and hooded. Right. Uh, but the guy is just huge, and he's just throwing them around. They can't get a grip on him. Every time one of them has him, they throw him, he throws them off. And he's even blinded right now by having a hood over his head. Correct. But yeah. he's still managing to take on Jack. Mm-hmm. Um and Jack, it Jack, seems like he's on the third or fourth headbutt in yeah, a row. Yeah, Jack keeps trying to headbutt him to knock him out, but it's just giving Jack a gush. And he's trying to count them, but he's like losing track because he's <laughs> hit his head so many times. And then Victor, this guy, just ends up smashing him back even after he's taken all these hits to the face. Mm-hmm. Um, the actor playing Victor here, even though we don't see his face yet, but we will very shortly, is uh, Keith Jardine, mm-hmm. um, who played the character Vern on the show Preacher which I haven't actually seen any Yeah, I haven't of. watched that yet. Um, he also played Puck in the movie Inherent Vice, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, I'm trying to remember who that was. I don't remember either because there were so many characters in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he also played uh, the character of Kuzma in John Wick. Yeah, John Wick. Which is a fantastic film, and I'm very excited for the sequel. And the director of John Wick is coming to do Deadpool 2. Oh, really? Because they dropped the director of the first movie. Well, the creative I... differences. With with who? With Ryan Reynolds. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, because like they were it. very on the same page for the first one, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not super worried about it because I feel like Ryan Reynolds has a pretty good idea of who the character is supposed to be. That's true, but it seemed like such a winning combination. Yeah, I just I feel like if one of the two of them had to leave the project, I would rather the director. Well, than obviously. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, they keep uh, smashing this guy until finally. Uh, because they didn't bring enough zip ties, mm-hmm. uh, MacGyver the, ends up using their belts. Yeah, they uh, they wrap them up in a tarp, and then they uh, tie the tarp closed with their belts. Yeah. Uh, MacGyver likes to use belts a lot, I've noticed. And Yeah, he, uh, wasn't it last week that he did something with a belt? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and so they end up... Uh, they end up getting the guy restrained enough to get him into this helicopter and take off before his, his friends show up. Mm-hmm. So uh, the helicopter pilot takes off. They they take a few rounds, like while they're because uh, because the people show up onto the roof of the parking structure right. and open fire. Yeah, which is what I thought was going to bring down the helicopter. Like like they're going to fly for a while, and she's going to realize that they were like leaking hydraulic fluid right. yeah. or something like the that. The helicopter but. scenes are relatively bulletproof because we're seeing sparks where it hits the front of the plane, but there's yeah. no actual dents no, or anything. No damage. Um, and uh, we're communicating via headsets with. Uh, Riley and Bozer back at the main headquarters, mm-hmm. filling in for for Patricia, who is now gone. Yeah, right. Riley and Bozer are kind of worthless in this episode. Yeah. 
They're I mean, like that guy from The Matrix 2 who's just like watching them on a monitor going, yeah. hey guys, uh, turn left. Oh, <laughs> whoa, that was cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're just kind of talking them through the situation. And of course, uh, the the character um, of Victor has been codenamed Elvis mm-hmm. specifically so that when they're taking off from the roof, uh, Riley can say Elvis has left the building. Right. Um, and so they don't get very far um, from this uh, parking structure before suddenly they're under siege from surface-to-air missiles. Yeah. So they're over like a, some like early hillsides, small mountainous area. Yeah. Uh, as a, and one of the, I guess they had like a, a SAM site up on the ridge of one of these mountains and launched yeah. a missile. Launched two of them, actually. Right. Um, before that, though, real quick, uh, they were talking about the new boss who's coming in. Oh, right. Uh, the the infamous Matilda Weber, who Jack had had a previous run in. Right, and is not a fan. Yeah. He seems rather terrified. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're all worried about this new person coming in, and they have kind of a little bit of a discussion about that. And they're already nicknaming her Maddie Weber um, mm-hmm. in the same way that they called Patricia Patty. Yeah. Um, which is... It's a clear reference to Matt Weber, mm. who replaced Pete Thornton on the original series. Right. Um, so Matt Weber is now Maddie Weber and is now a woman, uh, Matilda. Also, though, important to note, as you said, that yes. Matt, Matt Weber ended up being a bad guy mm-hmm. uh, when he was when he was filling in for Pete in early retirement, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, Pete was basically framed for an accident. And thought that he should quit the job and resign from his position because it, it ended up killing a couple Phoenix agents. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turned out it was it was sabotage that was constructed by Matt Weber to take control of of the Phoenix Foundation and to like reroute their efforts into like cooperating with terrorists and, mm-hmm. and uh, foreign governments. So does that mean that Matilda is going to be a bad guy? It doesn't seem like it. But yeah, and I'm pretty sure that Patricia is just a bad guy in this one. They're just going to stick to that. But it remains to be seen. We'll see what they do with it. Yeah. It, I have a feeling that this this was either a turn of events that came out later. Because uh, Sandra Holt, who plays... Yeah, Sandrine. Sandrine Holt, sorry. Um, she Her names were in the opening credits. And they still are. Right. And so, she's still in the IMDb credits through the end of the season. So but, I mean, I, however accurate that is. Yeah. So, I mean, either they didn't intend for this twist to happen... Or there's going to be another twist later. Yeah. I kind of feel like they got to a certain point where they're like, yeah, we don't know what to do with this character, so let's start over again Mm -hmm. with just another character. And then they went and looked at the original series, and they're like, who else has ever run the Phoenix Foundation? Okay, Matt Weber? Okay, we'll call her Matilda Weber. And we'll just start writing from a new perspective, since we didn't know what to do with Sandrine. Yeah. Because they really never gave her a chance to do anything. Well, her, the you, dialogue was very bland. And yeah. She never had any kind of a backstory or any humanity to her. But so I'm hoping that there'll be some kind of outcome for this. Yeah. So we're at the missiles now. Right. Now we're at the missiles. Missiles are coming. The pilot, Cynthia. Uh, Takes the, evasive action. Yeah. She is uh, a runway model. Classically trained in yeah, invasive she's maneuvers. She's wearing like lip gloss, and it looks like she's she's very made up for someone mm-hmm. who's just supposed to be like a tactical pilot. Right. Um, the actress here is uh, Zule Hanau. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Zule Hanau. She played Nikki in Hostel Three, which I only saw the first one or maybe the first two. Yeah, I haven't seen any. And she played Balin in S Darko, which I never saw. Oh. I only saw Donnie oh, Darko. Oh, interesting. Um, did you ever see? S. Darko? I it's, did not. It's about Samantha uh, Darko. Right, yeah, the, the, the little the sister. The youngest girl, yeah. Yeah. Which I think she actually reprised the role. Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, uh, I'm blanking on her name, though, right now. She was the same girl from, from The Ring, right? That's uh, possible. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that um, whatever his name was, uh, Richard something that directed Donnie Darko was not, he didn't give any approval for the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same girl from The Ring and, and Lilo. Davy Chase? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's pretty cute, actually. <laughs> yeah, Samantha Darko got her own movie. I don't know at all what that would have been about. Right. I guess she must have a similar condition. A similar uh, temporal abnormality? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where she accidentally goes back in time 
three weeks or something. I mean, is that is that why Donnie's off? Is because I don't know what's wrong with him. Because <laughs> because of the time travel is affecting his brain. I honestly haven't seen that movie since like high school, so Oh really? Maybe I need to oh, okay. rewatch it to I haven't watched the director's cut. Everyone told me to avoid it. I yeah. would I would advise you to avoid it. Okay. Yeah, the director's cut adds nothing but nonsense to the movie. A bunch of dream sequences that don't help spell anything out. And okay. Where they try to, it's like, oh, that's spelled out way too much now. Mm. Um, but yeah. Like it's the mystery. Silly. Yeah. The mystery is what makes that movie. But yeah. So this helicopter crashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's able to evade the first missile. Yeah. And MacGyver then uh, cuts up a space blanket and uh, right. into shreds and uses it as chaff to confuse the missile. Right. Uh, which causes it to detonate, but too close to the helicopter. Right. And uh, the pilot is unable to to keep the helicopter from crashing. I do like, though, when he first starts cutting it up, that uh, Jack is like, hey, man, I like to just sit back and watch how you do things, but I don't think that's going to work as a parachute. He's like, <laughs> I know it's not, Jack. Um, I, li- I also like the uh, budgetary need to uh, cut from the helicopter coming down. So you don't actually see the impact. Right, yeah. You just go to commercial break and then you open on uh, yeah. MacGyver lying on the ground. Which is a testament to the budget of this show. Like, they don't have one. Uh, yeah. Because uh, just recently on an episode of Blacklist, of course I know Blacklist is like in their third, fourth right. season right now, so obviously yeah. they're getting more more budgets. But they did an amazing helicopter crash. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, that was awesome. Love this show. I feel like there was at least a helicopter crash in the original MacGyver series. They definitely had people falling out of helicopters that mm. were not that high off the ground. But yeah, poor maybe Michael, they poor Michael Ensign. Yeah, Michael Ensign <laughs> just gets thrown out of one mid-flight. But they also, uh, Alyssa Davalos, her first time she shows up, she's getting shot while she's trying to climb into a helicopter. That's true, yeah. Uh, so with the helicopter wrecked, uh, Jack helps Cynthia, who's she's upside down. Right, or, and, and it looks like MacGyver fell out of it before it even hit the ground. Yeah. He's just lying in a field. Uh, he he kind of comes to... Jack is trying to help Cynthia out of the plane. Uh, and her helicopter. leg is basically pinched in the door. Mm-hmm. And MacGyver's able to ascertain that it is fractured, but not seriously enough that uh, he is able to uh, bind it with like seatbelts and stuff yeah. like that. He said he it. needs to stabilize it so that the, the any broken bones wouldn't sever any arteries in her leg. Uh, but they also find evidence that uh, not only is uh, Victor not there and not dead, but right. they find that he's on the loose. He's broken off his handcuffs and he's he's, yeah. he's skedaddled. Yeah, there's a couple other problems. Uh, she notices that um, all the communications are down from the helicopter, mm-hmm. but the, she says, I have a sat phone. It's in a red backpack. And then Jack's like, oh, this red backpack? And holds one up that basically fell on the river nearby. Yeah. Um, I think that if they were here on an official government operation, they wouldn't have such water-soluble communication devices. Right. Her sat phone would definitely be waterproof, if not the bag it was in would be. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't think a transponder would be so easily damaged. Yeah. Like, it, it would be in a more secure part of the helicopter that if it did crash, it wouldn't just fly out and smash to pieces. And if it did smash to pieces, it would mean that it was a hard enough crash that no one would have survived it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She seems to have set this thing down in a comfortable enough way that the entire structure of it wasn't destroyed. Yeah, it's just basically the the cockpit and passenger area of the helicopter. There's no... The tail's gone. The rotor's gone. And Uh, it looks like the the skids have broken off. mm -hmm. Because I think that's what he uses for the crutch. As a crutch, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the heaviest crutch ever built. Yeah, after after uh, he basically sets her up with um, the stabilizer for her leg to keep mm-hmm. the bone from breaking, he builds her a crutch. But um, they notice that Jack is still looking around. <laughs> um, and then he's like, hey guys, um, I got some bad news. <laughs> yeah. I can't find my gun. And uh, they both get really mad at him, even though they're just it's you know, not really anybody's fault. They were just in a helicopter crash. Yeah. I'd be like saying, MacGyver, you lost your Swiss Army knife, and I'm very upset with you. Yeah. Uh, this isn't like John C. Riley and Magnolia. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we were just in a traumatic uh, explosion, potentially. Yeah. And my gun was taken by a malicious character who has escaped our custody. Uh, in between MacGyver and the team kind of wandering around, 
we go back to the Phoenix Foundation with Riley and Bozer. I don't think we need to touch on every time we see them. Right. Because it's just basically them being sad and, and looking at photos and yeah. talking about it's okay, that we're going to find them kind of stuff. There, there also seem to be trying to coordinate a rescue operation mm-hmm. with the CIA, but uh, it's unclear really what they're doing. Uh, where they're lost in uh, Kazakhstan uh, near the mountains, the mountain range is called the Tian Shan Range. Right. And I know... Which you were able to translate. Uh, yes. I was very proud of myself. I was impressed for a second, and then you explained <laughs> to me why you were able to translate it. You see, the Tian Shan Range roughly translates to the Heavenly Mountains. Right. Which I learned from Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine. <laughs> right. Which is... A game for the PC? or Yeah, a game for PC. They ported it to the N64. Um, oh my god, that game. First of all, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. But it is one of the buggiest and glitchiest games <laughs> to the point where there's actually a command that they give you in the instruction book. To if like you, restart a level? or No, if you get stuck, you have to type in this command, like, fix me. And it'll basically just reset your character <laughs> from, like, if you're stuck. Because he'll just get stuck hanging on stuff. Because you do a lot of climbing and shuffling, right. and sometimes he'll just he just will stop moving, and it's just like um, and you just have to type in "fix me" and he'll just go bloop. And that's so dumb. It's like why couldn't you just fix the problem? The only game I ever played from Indiana Jones was the Temple of Doom game for PC, which was basically you're like climbing from cliff face to cliff face, rescuing children in cages. Yeah, and then the minecart stuff. Yeah, 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 the minecart. Yeah. They, they they ported that to the Nintendo, and that's I played. Oh, that. did they really? Mm-hmm. Okay, I only ever played it on my dad's PC. Uh, I think, I can't remember if it was AVGN who did a review of it, but they tried to explain how the world map works for that game. Yeah. Because you can just keep going down. Forever? Yeah, it loops it loops around from top down, not from left to right. Well, wasn't that a big thing with like the LucasArts games? Like, they would try and make the levels infinite. Mm-hmm. Like, you were telling me, was it Grim Fandango or... No, it was a Jurassic Park game where you could walk off forever. Like. Oh, you, Yeah. Oh, well, that, that was made by DreamWorks. Oh, was it? Um, yeah, the Trespasser. They they rendered so much, and then then there was just this, this, a white void that you could just keep walking in once you and, left and the level. And it would somehow keep track of how far away you had walked and let yeah. you just keep walking forever. Yeah, it was just like it was like it wasn't like procedurally it's like early generated. Yeah, it, it just it was crazy. And there, I have so many like saved games of just wandering. I put I put like a rock on the keyboard for the walk on the walk key. Yeah. And just left it for like an hour. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, anyway, that MacGyver. Was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but the the gaming podcast will be another podcast. Right. Yeah. So uh, MacGyver. Uh, so we'll just kind of stick with MacGyver and the team until it gets relevant with Bozer and Riley. Uh, MacGyver taps a tree for some water. And uh, they're trying to figure out a way to dry out the sat phone, right. which, you know, obviously Jack jokes around with the bag of rice trick. Yeah. Uh, but MacGyver says, well, we can use this like piece of like dried out wood from the one of the fires that right. was caused by the helicopter crash. And we'll put it in a in this mug that I just told you to stay hydrated with. Yeah. He dumps out all the water that he just collected for her. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's very important that we stay hydrated. And then he dumps out all the water and says, okay. We're going to use this to take water out of the phone. Yeah. We can but drink not to that. drink. Yeah, not to drink. <laughs> Don't drink that water. That's phone water. <laughs> uh, so uh, we mentioned the gun. So it's just basically like them hiking for a little while, and uh, MacGyver and Jack kind of banter back and forth about uh, Sarah, Amy Acker's character. Right. Uh, Sarah Adler, I want to say, was the last name. Or... Yeah, I think because I was I was thinking of Irene Adler uh, oh, okay. from Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, so, you know, and how Jack never told Sarah how she fell, how he felt about her, and all that. Um, at this point, like Cynthia starts like kind of butting in and like not butting in, but She's offering giving her, her two cents. Yeah, um, and I was thinking that the surprise twist that was going to be that this was going to be the new boss. This is Maddie. Yeah, yeah. Because, like he's only ever dealt with her like. Like in through paperwork and he doesn't yeah, know exactly. what she looks like, um, because it just seemed like because he keeps like intentionally like making jokes at Matilda Weber's expense, right? About how terrible she is, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to come to bite him, yeah. And, uh, but that doesn't. Happen. Or it could have been like she's like Matilda's daughter or something like that. Yeah. This doesn't happen, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, 
while they're kind of wandering around, they encounter a patrol who's out on the lookout for Victor, which is good news and bad news. One, it's bad news, obviously, that there are people looking for them as well, but obviously they haven't found Victor yet. Right. So Victor is still at large. Uh, they find signs that uh, Victor had used some of the bullets from Jack's gun to uh, get the gunpowder out and to cauterize his wounds. Right. Which is like one of like the craziest like frontier things you could ever do. You yeah. Know? It's it, that's like I think they. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen that. In. I, think, I think they do it in Two Mules for Sister Sarah. Clint Eastwood has her pull out the arrow. Right, right, right. And then use the gunpowder to cauterize it. Yeah. Oh, it's just horrifying. <laughs> But this is where the blood trail stops, obviously. Right. Because now he's cauterized all of his wounds. So they're... Uh, MacGyver thinks they should stop here and that it's time to start trying to find a way to signal the because they see Black Hawk helicopters flying mm-hmm. over, which means that their own team is looking for them and they're trying to find a way to signal them. But Jack says, well, we can continue to track Victor because I took AMOS training or AMOS, which is like a special forces... It's an army training for it, they, it's advanced mountain operations school, mm. um, and so she's like, "Is he joking? Is he just being an idiot again?" And <laughs> MacGyver's like, "No, there's a chance he actually knows what he's talking about." Yeah. Here. So they uh, start closing in on Victor, and uh, when they get when they start getting like Jack seems to think that they're like we're right on top of him. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna encounter him any minute now. Uh, MacGyver tries to signal one of the helicopters using his Swiss Army knife by opening up all of the reflective, yeah, perfectly shiny blades. Yeah, he opens up all the blades. tools and tries to shine them at the helicopter, but there's not even enough light. Like, yeah. There's even shots up of like the sun being blocked out by clouds. Because mm-hmm. there, there also is a storm headed their way. Right. But before MacGyver can even get a, like an attempt in, Victor finds him. Yeah. And starts opening fire Because he sees all the shine. He was like, what is all this bright shininess? Oh, no. Ooh. It's MacGyver. Cause I'm shining. No. <laughs> Jermaine Clement. Moana From references. Moana. Uh, Jack, I don't know quite remember how this happened. MacGyver's running from Victor, shooting at him. Right. So I thought Victor was in pursuit, and then he was. MacGyver. I mean, Jack shoots at him, or Victor Jack... shoots at MacGyver right. twice. And MacGyver starts running. Meanwhile, we're seeing Jack with Cynthia on the ground, and Cynthia is starting to convulse. Yeah. And so he runs in the direction that he saw MacGyver Right. Running, and they crash into each other. But then where is Victor? <laughs> he's not catching up with him, apparently. He's not going fast enough to actually catch up with MacGyver. Yeah. And so he says, hey, I found Victor. And he's like, yeah, forget about Victor. Come back here. Cynthia's having problems. Mm-hmm. And so then they slowly walk back to where Cynthia is and decide to start a fire for the night. Yeah. And it's like, this will indicate to the helicopters, hopefully, where we are. But no. also, why why did that guy stop following you? <laughs> because we took our time getting back here, and yeah. now we're just sitting down to create a fire. Yeah, and he had a gun, so clearly he doesn't... He's He has the upper hand. Yeah. But MacGyver points out that he was getting shot at with by Victor's left hand. Right. I so, mean, I mean, correct. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So he thinks uh, <laughs> he thinks he probably thing. broke his right hand um, in the crash. So he thinks that he has another chance of getting to the guy and stopping him. Right. And so he tells Jack to wait with her to fight <laughs> off. Stop saying right. It's left. Uh, he leaves Jack to protect Cynthia in case the car full of henchmen shows mm-hmm. up. Because that'll um, and, that'll do a lot of good. Right. Well, Jack's more likely to beat up three dudes than MacGyver is. Mm-hmm. I mean, conceivably. I've seen MacGyver take out more than that, though. Uh, so, yeah, MacGyver turns around and just starts heading off in the direction that he thinks Victor would be. But somehow gets ahead of him and has enough time to set up a bunch of elaborate traps. Yeah. Not really even traps, but uh, they're kind of like the traps when... Uh, oh, I can't remember the episode where... MacGyver's trying to he's with he's with a woman and they keep setting up all these distraction traps. That is um the uh she was I wanna say it was one of the nun episodes. Uh, yeah, she was working with the nun it wasn't Wing in a Prayer though, it was the other one. Mm-hmm. What is that episode called? Because it ended up being like that. They, like where a, they they break out of the monastery through the tunnel. Right. And then uh like the helicopter takes some of them, but she falls out, 
And so MacGyver jumps out with her. Right. It's the one where he and Pete both had like love interests. Yeah. Yeah. What is that episode called? Is it called like Sister Mary or something like that? Sister Margaret was the character. Sister Margaret was yeah, yeah. was Pete's love interest. Yeah. I can't remember. I know some of you guys are listening to this like you know the exact name of the episode. It's driving yeah. you crazy. Don't worry, it's driving us crazy too. Oh, so the fire. They decide to start a fire. So MacGyver gets the bright idea of using the battery, which is still good from the sat phone. Right. To ignite some tree sap and some kindling uh, to start a fire. Yeah. And you immediately said, well, there, there goes the battery. Yeah. And I was like, I was, I was in complete agreement. And as it turns out, that was correct. The road not taken. Ah, uh, road not That's taken. Okay. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, that I is, wouldn't have that either. Is no I Googled it. <laughs> honesty, honesty first. I Googled it. I didn't. All right. So you figured it out on your own then. Just I figured from me it out. saying I, words. I figured it out when it came up on the screen when you Googled it. Right. Uh, so now the sat phone is dry, but the battery's dead. Right. And uh, oh, so he turns into Doc Brown. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, I, First I, he, yeah. I also, sorry, I glossed over the part where the distraction traps. He yanks all these traps to like trick Victor into looking in three different directions. Mm-hmm. And again, this is just an overcomplicated distraction when he yeah. could have just thrown a rock right. into the bushes and caused Victor to look a different way so that he could sneak up behind him and smash his left arm with a branch and then mm-hmm. knock him in the head with one. And then grab the gun. Yeah. And so then he uses these same vines that he set all these traps off with to bind the guy up and then walk him like he's on a leash back to the mm-hmm. camp. And uh, you know, you don't walk a guy behind you behind you when you're not facing him either. Yeah. You walk behind the guy and you keep a gun trained on him at all times. Yeah. I know MacGyver doesn't use a gun. Right. But this guy doesn't know that. But sometimes he uses it to like coax people to do something. Mm-hmm. Or... To shoot at them, as in the pilot. <laughs> yeah. But he also, like, in uh, in the opening gambit for, I want to say, Target MacGyver, he drew a gun on those guys yeah. at the beach house after they kidnapped the Lady General. Like The, the it was Lady like, General? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the Lady General. <laughs> and the carrots. <laughs> right. The carrots. The carrot distraction. Uh, so now they have Victor, and now they need to charge the battery. Yeah. So with the storm fast approaching, MacGyver gets the bright idea. No, it's not. This is a dumb idea. This is the dumbest thing so far yeah. on this show. He's going to build a Leyden jar, which is a real thing. Um, it's it's just basically a, a jar, an alkali solution, uh, much like a battery. Right. So he goes and he takes a bunch of pond water mm-hmm. and he fills their water bottle up with Perfect. it. Perfect. Perfectly clean pond yep. water. 100% H2O. And then he scrubs a root between mm-hmm. two rocks to form the, the alkali. He's, yeah. Um, so he drops that in the water, which is like full of like polywogs and leaves and crap. <laughs> <laughs> and then he stabs the uh, metal spike. Through uh, the lid. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wraps a pair of handcuffs around it because apparently it works something akin to an electromagnet and it needs metal wrapped yeah, I mean this is what this is what one looks like it. so they have I don't the, see any metal wrapped around it in this illustration but, but this is like a clip art yeah I mean this disembodied is disembodied hands like... <laughs> we're looking at the images on the Wikipedia page for mm-hmm. Leyden jar which uh, you can probably find at the bottom of uh, our show notes as this week's Mac fact yeah yeah because this is actually pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, Either so, way, if you actually needed metal wrapped around it for it to work, mm-hmm. I'm sure the handcuffs would not have worked. Yeah, at least not because enough. it's a bunch of separate metal pieces that aren't. It wouldn't be a straight current the whole way around the jar. They would like the individual links of the chain would be the path of least resistance. Right. Um, but he builds a jar anyway. Right. And so now they need to get it to the lightning, and. So, so they just run off towards the lightning. Yeah, it's long, and they find it. They find lightning. He's like, I'm going to put it in that clearing over there. Come with me. And then they go to the clearing, and then they shout confessions at each other. Because mm-hmm. they're and they're because they're feeling the initial charge of a lightning strike. Right. Uh, and it's, it's but it's like, how did you know the lightning was going to be there? Yeah, you didn't. It, and it's also in the clearest like. 
least obstructed part of the field, mm -hmm. which is the least likely to get struck by lightning. It would be I, striking trees and things. Yeah, I, I believed the MacGyver kite from Goodnight MacGyver was more believable yes. than setting a jar on the ground in tall grass. I believe the MacGyver kite from Wasteland made more sense. Yeah. When he built a kite to fly himself around and pick people up with his legs. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. But yeah, so here he's like basically one, two, three. He sets the laden jar down and runs away from it as fast as he can. It immediately gets struck by lightning yep. behind them. And then even after that, it gets struck again. Yeah, and then it's stuck in, you know, 1955. Yeah. Yeah, does he just go back and pick it up? Wouldn't it be like scalding or exploded? Yeah. I think would, that whole jar would have exploded. It would just, it annihilated. Yeah. And there would be a fire. <laughs> yeah. And you're uh, like, so, I'm going to hold this battery over the fire, and hopefully it'll charge it. No, that's not how this works. Fire is energy. Batteries need energy. Right. So he takes the jar of electricity mm -hmm. back to the camp. <laughs> <laughs> um, because he has a very rudimentary understanding of electricity. He cuts a zipper out of the leg of Cynthia's pants. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the zipper, which is not made up of two continuous strips of metal, right. but rather individual buttons of metal. Like mm. it's, it's not a straight line. It wouldn't work like a wire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got the zipper on me right now. It's not one. The, the, it's not one the, piece. The individual teeth of metal in a zipper are not usually connected to each other um, by metal. Um, but so he's using the two halves of the zipper as wires mm -hmm. to connect the jar to the ends of the battery. Or not the battery, but the contacts on the phone. Yeah, directly to the phone. And so the Leyden jar has the exact voltage and amperage that this phone requires. Yeah, I wish he'd have been like, uh, this is the wrong voltage, and like snipped the zipper a little bit shorter and been like, perfect. Mm -hmm. Like he was actually customizing that. Uh, but he connects it to the phone long enough to so send a signal of a GPS location back to home base. And uh, Riley and Poser see it pop up on the monitor, yeah. and they're like, boom, send our helicopters there. See, I, I would have even enjoyed it more if he said, okay, okay, when I connect these, we're going to have about, like, five or six seconds before this phone is totally fried. I would have been happy if it would have been literally, like, a half second, and all it's going to do is ping the GPS. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to do anything. I just have to connect it enough to get the phone to turn on for a second. Yeah. And then it'll ping the GPS, but they make it look like it just... It serves the purpose of having a battery. Yeah, it literally, like, they see the icon for the phone. And... Mm -hmm. okay. You said, I got <laughs> five missed calls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me just uh, check my email real quick. Oh, crap, I was going to send a GPS and the phone <laughs> battery died. Hold on, run this back out to the electricity. I found a really funny animated GIF and it was, I was going to show you. It's a GIF. <laughs> no, it's, it's a not. GIF. It's pronounced GIF, though. I don't care what they say. It's Comment, like, or subscribe if you, if you think No, it, you just ask the guy who invented it, and then he he's says dead. that it's Jif. No, he's not. Well. He's dead to you. <laughs> he's dead to me. It's Jif, though. The guy said it's Jif. He's the one who decides how it's pronounced. English is a fluid language. And when enough people... Pronounce something wrong. It becomes correct. So that's what you're saying? You're admitting that you're pronouncing it wrong. I'm, I'm admitting that it has become correct to say. <laughs> no, but it becomes mine. How is that not stealing? <laughs> I'm not explaining it well. <laughs> That's a little office space for you. So the GPS signal goes out, and Riley and Bozer finally have something to do, mm -hmm. and that's to send the helicopters to the computer screen ping, which... Wasn't didn't require them to do that. Right, and they immediately pushed the button to send eight military helicopters directly to where they right. were. Where were these helicopters when we were taking Elvis off of the parking structure? Mm -hmm. Why wasn't this our escort? Yeah, um, but also Victor's crew finds them right away. Right, because because they're still a threat apparently. Yeah, so they're pulling up in the uh, like AM fifty like, urban assault vehicle. Yeah, yeah, giant like. I don't even know what you call it. It's not, it's not even like a like a normal like APC. It's just like a... just. It's got this weird shell on it, almost like mm -hmm. a tank shell. Um, but they're pulling up and then immediately getting fired upon by these helicopters for backup. And 
just sort of take their show on the road again mm-hmm. and head out. And uh, Jack's just shouting like jokes, making fun of them as they leave. And then uh, the helicopters swoop in to rescue everybody. Right. And then we move back to the Phoenix Foundation. Yeah, back at the foundation, everyone's all nervous to wait for the new boss to show up. Right. We we get a little bit of a button that Cynthia is okay, but maybe had a leg cut off. No, she didn't have a leg cut off. <laughs> but when she comes around the corner, she's got her leg bent in such a way that you thought at first she had like a below-the-knee <laughs> amputation going on. Because she, she has it up like 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 the classic image of a of a woman kissing a man when she lifts one leg but it's also like the classic image of a person on crutches that's just what people do no, to keep I, their foot off the ground i i've never seen that okay, i've never seen well, someone keep their leg at a but i have noticed angle. that whenever someone is on crutches you kind of look away <laughs> oh Ugh, God. gross what happened to your legs <laughs> what's wrong Why with can't your you face? walk like people <laughs> you're a freak <laughs> You just knock him over and run away. Uh, but she's also being reunited with her husband, right. which is weird because he's supposed to be stationed in Afghanistan. Yeah. So I they, guess they just him. called him out. They flew him to L.A. too. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been better to do, do this whole thing in Afghanistan? I think it's just a recurring joke on the show that every time Jack starts to fall for somebody, they make out with their boyfriend right next to his face. Mm-hmm. So now everyone's in the uh, the boardroom waiting for Weber to show up. Right. MacGyver even gets back to making a paperclip thing. Yeah. Uh, we only barely get to see it. Yeah, though. we don't we don't get like a clear insert of it, but it's pretty clear that it's a lightning bolt mm-hmm. based on the the context of the episode, but also what we see of it. Yeah. Even though he's like pinching it at the ends, you can kind of see that it's a zigzag, but mm-hmm. it's probably a lightning bolt. And Jack is just telling everybody how terrible Weber is, and that she's the reason that he left the CIA. Mm-hmm. And then Bozer's like, whoa, whoa, she fired you? And he's like, no, it was a mutual thing. She didn't fire me. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, we we both decided, okay, so she fired you then. <laughs> so uh, now here comes the big reveal. Enter Matilda Weber. As played by Meredith Eaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now for those of you who aren't familiar with Meredith Eaton, she, um, I've seen her in quite a few things, but uh, mostly the show that I know her from was Boston Legal, yeah. where she played William Shatner's uh, on and off again girlfriend on the show. Okay. And uh, and she's funny, uh, and so I think that uh, she she generally her generally her characters are usually like very have a lot of attitude. Yeah. She's the she's like the the Cat Dennings. Okay. Like just like very sassy. Uh, doesn't take any like crap from anybody, right? And so she's immediately. And here she's also like casting off orders that people mm, already. Yeah. She she like MacGyver doesn't stand when she comes she's into like the room. Blondie feet on the ground. Yeah. As she's walking in. Uh, you know, she tells Jack just to, to, before Jack can even say anything, she says, "Shut up." Yeah. Which is already more, more character uh, than they gave Patricia, uh, Patricia in the entire yeah. series so far. I feel like this was just like a hard reset. They were just like, all right, we messed this character up. Mm-hmm. And then after like six episodes, they're like, let's drop hints that she's a bad person and then just get her out of there and drop in a new character. Yeah. I can I kind of feel like they're like not so much like uh, copying. I think, cause I think it's a CSI or NCIS LA. Yeah. That has Linda. That's Hunt. the one Adam was on. Right? Was it? Yeah, Cause it was on the first season of it. Because uh, Linda Hunt, uh, who's also a very very short lady, yeah, is like their like no nonsense boss. Uh, she reminds me of uh, Edna Mode. Yes. <laughs> oh Incredibles. yeah. She 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 is very much Edna Mode. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of feels like that. That's where they're kind of like yeah, kind kind of almost getting that kind of uh, feel. Yeah, I think they're all doing Edith Head impressions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I think th- I think it's just like uh, a position of power with someone who you wouldn't yeah, normally it's a, associate. It's a Napoleon complex type yeah. thing, yeah. But um, I'm already more interested in seeing what this character has to offer the show than yeah. anything we got from uh, Thornton earlier. Well, especially with the potential for her to be uh, uh, a double agent or uh, a, a mole or, or something something evil yeah. because of the nature of the character of Weber, if they decide... To follow through with, right, that, yeah. with that. I, I would be 
very surprised if they bring Thornton back in any capacity as like a, a good guy. I'll, I'll be shocked if that happens. They did it for Nikki. No, they didn't. <laughs> you still suspect Nikki. You still suspect Nikki. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's the episode. It was. It had an okay start, but then it just. It, it takes it takes some time in the middle. Mm-hmm. It gets very slow. And then the ending with the lightning jar it culminates is, with yeah, capturing lightning in a bottle is yeah, a little like, silly. Like I would have preferred even something like even if like they found like a lemon orchard or something like that, and they used like yeah or potatoes or a potato yeah yeah just like like why did it have to be a lightning? That's so elaborate. It requires so much to go right. Yeah. Um, the thing the thing is, and I we've kind of gone over it a little bit on the show, but. With the original series, they they tried to keep the MacGyverisms to things that would actually work mm-hmm. in the real world. And this show is like, do you understand the concept? Because all that matters is the concept. It doesn't right. matter if these things would actually work together to make what we said, mm-hmm. as long as you can comprehend the physics of it. And uh, I feel like this is just silly. Yeah. Like being able to predict where lightning is going to strike, capturing it in a in a water bottle that would not explode. Yeah. And, and then, then turning ca- around and running that power without any kind of cable system. Mm-hmm. Not, like not even if they had wires, it would have made more sense than if they were using a zipper as yeah. a wire. Cause yeah. Cause anything yeah. would have made more sense. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, I could not suspend my disbelief. Yeah. I couldn't do it. It was, it was about four steps beyond what mm-hmm. I would have been like, okay, maybe that would work. But, uh, but you know, it's they introduced a new boss uh, right away. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's an important thing. You had a vacuum. Yeah. That that needed to happen. And we didn't really discuss it, but and it's not super important to the plot, but over the course of the, the episode, there was kind of a subplot of Jack being upset about not getting the promotion mm-hmm. to Patricia's job. He never would have gotten it because he's probably – the the least qualified for that position of the whole team. Mm. I feel like Bozer would get that job before Jack would. Because <laughs> um, Bozer's just really good at looking at the map, <laughs> telling people what's going on. Um, but uh, by the end of the episode, he kind of realizes, oh, no, I'm supposed to be in the field with you. Mm. Like, this wouldn't have worked if I wasn't here, even though it totally would have. He didn't really do anything. Which, which also feels like that's a lesson that he learns all too often. Yeah. M- much like the... I'm always mad at Bozer's always mad at me kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jack's always like realizing that um I can't I can't leave MacGyver out on his own. Yeah. Um but I think that's about it for this yeah. episode. Next episode, Monster Trucks. The uh Oh my god, the, is that the, coming the, out soon? That's out today. Is the, it really? The the MacGyver side adventure. Oh man. <laughs> that's definitely canon, right? Or we're deciding Monster Trucks is canon. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Uh for those of you who don't know, Monster Trucks. Lucas Till's very expensive, and I'm going to call it right now, bomb. Yeah. It's <laughs> not going to make anything back. Um, it's it's funny because it's got so much talent involved with and it. And honestly, the trailer that I saw, like the special effects look great. Mm-hmm. But I just don't get the story of it at all. Yeah. It's like if Transformers were slimy. Exactly. That's, That's the exactly premise what of the is. movie. And it's from the same studio. <laughs> so it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it's a Nickelodeon produced movie, uh, from the with the director of Ice Age, uh, and like like who's the that writer? explains the graphics then. Yeah, because it does look nice. And uh, like the writer of uh, Safety Not Guaranteed in Jurassic World and Kong Skull Island. Wait, really? Yeah. They're Do you want to see this tomorrow? Uh, I can't. Sorry. No, we're gonna see it tomorrow. Oh God, I want to see it though. Um. Uh. Yeah. Is he going to write uh, episode nine also <laughs> after Monster Trucks? I think he's taking himself out of the running, right? <laughs> yeah. To write a Star Wars movie. This was his chance. <laughs> he just blew it. <laughs> but the movie's got like... Colin Trevorrow was going to take you to Star Wars Town and you blew it. <laughs> you wrote Monster Trucks. <laughs> he probably wrote it when he was in high school and they were like, we'll take anything, really, yeah. anything you got. Well, I think that was the story, was that... the. Uh, this this story came from like the writer's like kid. Oh really? Kind of like like Shark Boy and Lava Girl. It sounds more like uh, Axe Cop to me. 
Um, but other people who are in it are like, it's great. It's like, it's got Shark Boy Tom- and Love Girl is so awful, too. Yeah. It's got Thomas Lennon, Barry Pepper, Rob Lowe, Danny Glover. I love Thomas Lennon to death, but he's in a lot of terrible things. Frank Whaley? Frank Whaley. Frank Whaley? Really? Yeah. Frank Whaley. Everybody's in this thing. I love Frank Whaley. Uh, so, Monster Trucks, next MacGyver episode. Yeah. So, look forward to that review. No, we're not going to review that. The actual MacGyver episode. <laughs> Do they have the name for uh, Reboot Season 1, Episode 14 yet? Getting there. Uh, in the meantime, I would like to mention a couple uh, corrections. Uh, oh, no. Last week, we said that uh, there were no screwdrivers used in the episode Screwdriver. And, uh, of course, Andrea caught that we were incorrect. That uh, he does, in fact, use the screwdriver in one shot where he's undoing a screw to take the pot-bellied stove out of its uh, setting before he rolls it out the I front do, door. I do recall that now. Um, so, And she sent us some screenshots, which you can find on our Facebook page. Um, but he does technically use the screwdriver, so we were incorrect there. I also want to mention um, a listener uh, tweeted at us. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Jameis Enright. Um, he told me to check out a movie called Juggernaut that came out in 1974. And I watched it, and it's about a cruise ship who's being plagued by an anonymous bomber. Oh. And they send in a team of bomb diffusers oh. to uh, diffuse all the bombs. And uh, Countdown, season one, episode 14, is a very clear ripoff of this movie. It came out in 1974, and uh, the team of, uh, of bomb diffusers are flown in because they can't actually stop the ship or meet up with it with any other boats because it's in the middle of a typhoon, mm. which was the premise of the, the episode Countdown. Yeah. But there was no bad weather on the set of yeah, Countdown. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, like super sunny. And we interviewed Ellen Bree about um, being on set, and she said mostly people were just complaining that it was too sunny and pretty out because it was supposed to be in the middle of a storm. Yeah. And all the weather sites said that there was going to be really bad weather, like – Obviously not sites at the time, yeah, but yeah, yeah. all the all the predictions News, yeah. for the weather were that it was supposed to be really bad weather, and it was just beautiful and sunny, and all the <laughs> the captain keeps coming out. Oh man, it's we're heading right into a typhoon. This weather is awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, they. Uh, so here's here's how similar it is to the <laughs> countdown episode. They fly a team of bomb diffusers out to this cruise ship. Um, where and they have a team at home base communicating mm. with them by radio and uh there's one bomb diffuser on one bomb and another bomb diffuser at each additional bomb and uh charlie one of the bomb diffusers oh, no. of course is killed just after he discovers something about how the bomb should be treated and so the other bomb diffusers learn the lesson from charlie's death they it's the same character name mm. in countdown and then uh at the end of it they have the guy who created all the bombs in the room back at home base communicating okay. with them on the radio. And at the end of the countdown episode, you have the Viking right, in right. the room saying they have two fuses, a blue fuse and a yellow fuse. And he says to pull the blue. Pull the blue! Thanks a lot, Donahue. I'm pulling the yellow. And in the movie, it's a red wire and a blue wire. Cut the blue wire. Ow. And they cut the red wire instead of cutting the blue wire and uh, that's what saves everybody on the ship so just very clearly the same exact plot um still made for a good episode but i feel like people who saw the movie juggernaut might have known where that episode yeah, was going. yeah yeah so well you said it was what 70 74 74 so it would have been 10 years later yeah 10 or sure 12 a lot of people yeah. had forgotten about it yeah who knows um another thing i wanted to mention for for anybody who uh may have gotten slightly impatient with our with our schedule last week, you should all know that there is another episode-by-episode MacGyver review podcast called Mullets and Memories, a MacGyver podcast Mm. uh, with hosts Dave Champa and Greg Klein, and I've been listening to it this week. It's a pretty funny show, and uh, I think they're up to episode 16 or 17 right now. Okay. But it's definitely worth a listen, Um, and you can find it wherever podcasts are sold. Um, Mullets and Memories, it's called. It's a pretty funny show, though. So I definitely recommend people check it out. Do we figure out what next week's episode is called? Yeah, next week's episode is going to be called Fish Scaler. <sighs> this is such a dumb premise for episode <laughs> titles. Really? Fish Scaler? Fish Scaler. Oh, we got some more episode names. Magnifying Glass and Hook. 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 
I hope that hook has to do with him being taken back to Neverland. <laughs> um, fish scaler? Fish scaler. Okay. Maybe we get his grandfather. Oh my god! What if he meets his grandfather and they go fishing? <laughs> with a gum wrapper or something? That would be amazing. Dear writers, if you're listening to this, please rewrite the yeah. entire episode. Whatever you guys have it. prepared for next Friday, start over. <laughs> Call up John Anderson. <laughs> He's still around, right? Just keep keep calling. He'll answer. He'll pick up. Um, yeah, Fish Scaler. Tune <laughs> in <laughs> next week for Fish Scaler. I can't wait. I feel like they must have gotten like 10 episodes in and then they were like, what are the rest of them called? This was a bad idea. <laughs> they really weren't counting on a 14th episode. Yeah. They really thought they were they would go to 13 and that would be it. Well, I'm looking at the cast for it and I'm already not seeing like anything like Grandfather. But we didn't know about Meredith Eaton in this episode yet either. That's right. So. Oh, and we have Ina Dumlau comes back. That was uh, Patricia's assistant. I don't trust her. I don't either. She's tainted now. Um, yeah, but if you guys have any thoughts on this episode, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. <sighs> and tune in next week. <laughs> Reboot Season 1, Episode 14, Fish Scaler. That's right. I hope that this is a super surrealist episode and it's about them climbing a fish. <laughs> Like an, an enormous fish. It's just weighing fish. Well, that works too, but I like them scaling a fish. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.